Hey everyone, this is Brie from Peak Show coming at you with a surprise mini-sode. This might not be something I do every month, but I wanted to uh, try it and see what the response is like. If you like this and want to hear more of it, the best way to let me know is to subscribe to this podcast in your platform of choice and give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Also, before this episode, I wanted to shout out the Trans Education Network of Texas, or TENT. They are currently accepting donations to help continue their work with gender-diverse adults and kids in Texas. If you are in a position and feel so inclined to make a donation to them or the aid organization of your choice, that'd be awesome. If you're not in a position, remember that it costs nothing to be a kind person. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to a surprise edition of Peak Show. I'm your host, Josh Safdie's Muse when he wrote Uncut Jams, Brie Rohde. And uh, who do I have with me for this very special episode? Hey guys, it's Annie from Minnesota, your favorite top model fan. And I cannot wait to dive into this great surprise episode of all things pop culture the last 28 days. Yes, um, it's weird how this very short month is going by like a very short month. Um, Now, when I was a wild youth, surprise shows usually meant an indie band was showing up at a bar halfway across the city (laughs) and you had 60 minutes to get to it. But uh, today, a surprise show means we're doing a little mini-sode for you. And um, I was sharing with Annie off mic, to be frank, Peak Show had a really good month this, uh, this February. And so it's time to look at doing maybe a little branching out, doing some fun extra stuff um seeing how fans respond to it if you guys want more so and because annie and i are kind of always talking about like this should be a thing we talk about this should be a thing we talk about on peak show it's like let's let's just talk about it all and talk about the month that was in february so annie welcome back and to start um i want to ask what was the peak of your february Oh my goodness. So last time I was here, I was talking about how I think I'm peaking because I had gotten a job promotion and I was just enjoying my life exponentially. And since then, I have picked up a very big award in Minnesota. Technically, it was at the end of January, but (laughs) I became the number one investigative reporter for all multi-day newspapers in the state of Minnesota, which felt very good. I That is incredible. Oh, yeah, it was great. I was strutting for (laughs) for a long time. And then actually just a couple of weeks ago, it was announced to me that where I live, we have this group of um, amazing women that I'm super lucky to be a part of. It's a networking professional group. It's all about growing each other professionally, personally, supporting, empowering all things girl power, spice girls, wonderfulness. And they do these awards every year where they honor a woman who's just like killing it in her career and killing it in the community and just really big and powerful. And then they also honor a lifetime careerist. So someone who's just, they're retired and they have 
done it all and we're going to honor them. And then they pick a younger, a, a little young puppy who they're like, this girl's <laughs> going places and we're going to watch her. And I was announced that I will be this year's young careerist. So that was very exciting. You have doubled down on killing it. Yes. Double down on killing it. So I'm still peeking. <laughs> I'm still, I'm just straight up towards the moon. Who'd have thought? Um, yeah, so similarly, I got a um, COPA, which is a Canadian online publishing award for uh, best business uh, journalism uh, or best company profile. It was on actually a feature I did. Ironically, considering my stance on you know food and eating, it was on a dairy farm, oh, um, but it was on their really cool, um, it was in Connecticut um, and their anaerobic digester um, that is actually making their farm into a microgrid. Um, and they're also using that to power their new robotic barn. Oh, and so those robotic like barns are of- crazy on dairy farms. I, in August, got to see, um, like, a full robotic barn in person. And mm-hmm. as much as, like, of course, when I'm in a dairy farm, I'm not saying the V word because I'm like, whatever, these people got to make their living. <laughs> you know, I could get I could get all into vegan capitalism and shit like mm-hmm. that. But um, I got to meet cows for the first time because I've never met a cow. Oh, um, I'm so happy for I know. you. <laughs> I'm just like... I had what because cows are pretty shy creatures. Mm-hmm. And so like I was waiting for like I didn't want to spook any of them, but I kind of held out my hand and one, one put her head into my hand and started kind of playing with my hand. And she and I had this nice little bond. And then she stepped <laughs> back from me and took like a big grade A meat piss. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's I'm just uh, like, hey, you should like me. I don't eat you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> turns out cows don't care that no. I don't eat them. No. But um, no, it was... Um, I mean, this job has been so good for me, even just like understanding a lot about how industries that I never engaged with work. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, yeah, so that was a real thing for me. But I want to say also a big personal peak for me has been getting back into running. Um, I had never been a runner, to be perfectly honest. And I started getting into running um, around like fall of last year, fall 2020, when I was really stressed out with my job. And then I left that job and the running was kind of what like kept me sane Mm -hmm. uh, through this crazy transition. And then right around the time I started peak show, I don't, I don't know how I managed to not talk about this on the air, but I broke my ankle. Um, (sighs) and my, I broke my right ankle, which has a lot of injuries on it to begin with. And that foot has a lot of fractures and stuff from dance. And they say like half of running is injury management. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was a lot to manage. So I just stopped running. And I weirdly prefer running in the fall and winter to running in the summer. I cannot stand running in the summer. Um, So and then obviously summer was really busy with us buying a house and stuff. So I finally only just like around Christmas got a little back into running and then this month have actually made a point of running more and using it to discover my new town. And um, as much as I want to say like my peak was like this cool thing that happened to me, I think this is part of like me becoming me again Mm -hmm. and just kind of embracing my athletic side again. Oh, good for Um, you. So yeah. But as we've gone through February, you know, I don't think it's just the February factor. I think it's that it's 2022 and pop culture travels at the speed of sound. Yeah. So uh, I think the big four things we want to talk about, uh, we want to talk about the Olympics because it's February 2020 and the Olympics happened. 
we're talking about Wordle because I have a feeling this might we might be at peak Wordle right now. Oh yeah. Um, we we are talking about the Arthur finale because we want to get into some millennial nostalgia. And then we've got a little bit of Oscars discourse to uh, to round it out. So, um, so I'm a little ashamed to say that I didn't watch that much of the Olympics this year, mainly because I can't stay up that late. I even have a hard time with West Coast hockey games. So, like even Vancouver 2010 pushed it for me. Um, and there was nothing I love more than London 2012 because I love watching TV in the morning. But um, <laughs> I. So I tried to engage a little bit with the Olympics this year. Um, Andy, I got to ask you, do you prefer summer or winter Olympics? I prefer the winter Olympics because I am a huge figure skating nerd. I cannot figure mm. skate. I mean, I can kind of skate backwards and that's my big trick. But or like, <laughs> you know, in Minnesota, I'm sure also in a lot of areas of Canada, the big bragging rights is that we can ice skate on actual frozen lakes, not just like mm -hmm. hockey rinks. Um, yeah. but I definitely, I mean, I grew up in the time of Christy Yamaguchi and Michelle Kwan and Tara Lipinski and of course, Tanya Harding. And like, how can you not, <laughs> how can you not love figure skating? if you're a, um, you know, eighties baby nineties kid, it just was kind of the big thing. Um, mm -hmm. so winter has always been my thing for the Olympics, but I have to agree with you. I did not watch it a lot. And yeah. some of it's just been because I've been very busy. Another part of it is, is we just don't pay for cable TV anymore. So yeah. I got to find an internet stream if I'm going to watch something. We're very fortunate in Canada. Like the streaming scene is not quite as saturated in Canada. That almost makes it a good thing though, because there's a huge problem with like streamer creep in the US because I used mm -hmm. to report on this on the streaming industry, which is that there's now so many it's now so fragmented and there's so many streamers that like you're paying just as much as you would with cable. Um, one of the things in Canada is that the broadcaster that has the contract for Olympics coverage is the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is free to all Canadians over the air. And uh, so if you have an antenna, you get the CBC. And now they have this service called CBC Gem or CBC Jam, um, which is that um, you you can just get it, get a stream of CBC live over the Internet. Um, so you can watch, you know, what's going on in C CBC television online or on an Apple TV or something. And their Olympic platform is great because that way you get to see all the events, even the ones that are taking place simultaneously. And it was really great for me during the summer. I'm ashamed to say that during um, the Tokyo Olympics, when everyone was watching Canada women's soccer, I wasn't. I was watching <laughs> climbing, which no Canadians made it to the <laughs> final of because I was so happy that climbing finally made it to the Olympics. I, I'm, a, I'm a big mm -hmm. climber. Um, but so you get to see the events that wouldn't otherwise be broadcast. So I really do think in the US, it would be really awesome if, I don't know if there are a lot of like free ad supported streamers, but like streaming needs to be a thing for the Olympics. I swear to God, like it mm -hmm. would help so many more people watch it. And it, and also it helps with playback because if you have like so many things that happen overnight, I know there's nothing that compares to watching it live, but for something like figure skating, which to me, I, I don't know about you. For me, figure skating is more about the performance than the competition because oh, yeah. I 
I am a dancer. I've never worn figure skates in my life. Um, I can like kind of skate with boy skates on or whatever, or hockey skates, but I can't, I don't know how figure skates work, but I find figure skating the most enthralling thing. Um, unlike gymnastics, my favorite summer event, I don't know what makes someone good or bad at figure skating in that sense. Like, obviously if someone falls or whatever, I know like, mm -hmm. oh no, they're not going to get a good mark. But I couldn't watch a performance and tell you how good the technique is or whatever. I just know when I see something beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I kind of don't care who wins. I just love watching the performances. That said, like figure skating without, for me, the Canadian, uh, without Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer is not the same. Mm -hmm. They are so amazing. Uh, but it was nice to see their little like recap segments and stuff. I don't know if you got to see any of those, but they provide such good commentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and that's what's fun about what I like about living in today's world versus when I was super big into figure skating in the 90s is I can watch it whenever just watching the playback. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you got to find whoever your favorite commentator is going to be and um, or even just watching Internet people do their mm -hmm. own thing with like whether they're going to judge the outfits or judge the facial expressions. Like there's a lot of fun different ways to consume the Olympics. But Another thing that really made it hard for me to get excited about the Olympics this year is everything that happened at the Summer Olympics with the um, track star, Shakari Richardson, yes. that I, I grew up in a very athletic family. My brother, my dad was a professional baseball player. So I grew up with sports just like inundated in my life. And mm -hmm. over the past couple decades, the amount of attention that scandals get, whether or not they even should be scandals in the sports world mm -hmm. is difficult for me. I just want to see the competition. I want to see the people who have been working their entire lives to do this thing they love. And mm -hmm. the smoke and mirrors is it, it kind of ruins it for me. And the way mm -hmm. it was handled with um with that runner to me was so personally disgraceful that it really just it kind of just put me off. And, yeah. and so that, that made it hard and like very kind of emotionally hard because it's the Olympics. <laughs> You're watching someone getting her dream taken away for a way, for something that feels not very fair. And it was very public mm -hmm. and understanding that she just dealt with her mother's death and stuff yeah. felt even more like, to me, it feels like I'm witnessing something that I shouldn't be witnessing. Mm -hmm. I'm witnessing something that feels like a very private tragedy. And um, on it's funny because on one hand, the discourse being very, like a lot of the public discourse was very supportive of her. So that's good. But I'm also like, man, I would hate for like the worst thing to happen to me to be subject to so much discourse. Right. And of course, then there's all the other side of it too, where people were judging the way she dressed and the way she did her hair and the way she did her nails. Yeah. And it's like all of that, so unnecessary. She's this young what was she, 22, 21 or 22? She was quite, quite young. young yes. And it's just mm -hmm. like all of that and you're just going to blast her and then these people leaving these comments that are just so ugly about how could she do that and throw her life away. It's like, calm down. Just mm -hmm. <laughs> let's just take a step back here. 
Because I don't think people realize that the Olympics um, are intended to be, for the most part, amateur sport and that Mm -hmm. people don't get rich from the Olympics. Um, And so for a lot of Olympic athletes, competing at that stage is kind of their last chance to do something big before they got to go kind of back to real life. And, um, you know, your only chance is like getting an endorsement deal, becoming a national level coach or something like that, Um, which is also part of why, like, I have complicated feelings about... (laughs) And I keep saying, like, when's gonna when's it gonna be the first episode this season when I don't talk about hockey? <laughs> um, <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm with a Minnesotan, so uh, it's okay, it's natural. Um, but um, you know, with the uh, the NHL not being allowed to compete in the Olympics uh, this year, which um, on one hand I would actually say. I would agree with ideally because these are professional athletes who get paid millions and millions of dollars who are competing at the Olympics um, in some cases against people who um, are doing it like a part-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, the reason for them not being allowed was really stupid. Uh, Gary Bettman, uh, noted piece of shit, uh, commissioner of the <laughs> NHL, um, he, you know, He's not a good man. And they disallowed uh, hockey players competing at the Olympics because they, I mean, there was China's very intense COVID rules about if you test positive, you have to quarantine there for like five weeks or something. And the NHL had just gone through a serious Omicron outbreak. Like games Mm -hmm. were canceled for almost two weeks and they basically like, we need the time back. We need the Olympic break back. Somehow, I don't know if it's that no one on the Florida Panthers got sick enough that they had to cancel that many games, but the Florida Panthers were able to take pretty much the entire two weeks of the Olympic break off and just not play. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that the Florida Panthers existed for two weeks. That was nice. Um, But yeah, so that also made it hard because for me, I love watching Olympic hockey and Mm -hmm. there was no moment more wonderful for me than the 2010 Sidney Crosby golden goal. And, um, you know, it was really, really exciting for me, the idea that I was going to see Sidney Crosby, kind of the hero of my generation of hockey, like Sidney Crosby's only two years older than me. He was drafted when I was in high school. So he was like everyone's big crush. (laughs) And then Connor McDavid, you know, kind of this new generation of hockey superstar, seeing them playing on the same team would have been amazing. Even seeing Austin Matthews on Team USA would have been super cool because like, you know, of course I cheer for the Canadians, but I love Austin Matthews. So I would have been so happy for Austin Matthews if he'd won. And like, I had no interest in um, in men's hockey because the guys that I love, aside from, you know, Toronto Marley, Josh Hosang, they weren't playing, so mm-hmm. I didn't care. Women's hockey, however, Canada and the U.S. effing killed it. They yeah. killed it. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, Marie-Philippe Poulain, Canadian hero, so that's <laughs> cool. Um, I will say the next big step, though, is um, these women need to have a league that pays them full-time salaries because, like, the closest they can get is, like, $35,000 a year or something. Um mm-hmm. I, I should double check that before I go spouting it off, but it's it's not really like you would have to have like a partner who made serious bank to really have a good living from being a professional women's hockey player. Um, what this proved is that people will watch. People will watch women's hockey. And because it's peak show, I have some statistics. So 
Um, this is all Canadian viewership, but so 70% of all Canadians watched CBC Radio Canada's coverage of the Olympics. Half, um, half of the people who watched tuned in an average of 102 minutes each evening. That, that's a crazy amount to me. Um, not total, per evening. Um, streaming was up 11% from Pyeongchang 2018. So a total of 468 million minutes were consumed. And the peak audience, because it's peak show of the Olympics, was the women's hockey gold medal game, which peaked at 2.7 million unique viewers at the beginning of the game. Uh, that's an 11 p.m. start time. So that's insane. Um yeah. The most watched TV events in Canada were women's hockey, the final, uh, women's freestyle skiing, big air final, team figure skating pairs, men's curling, uh, the Canada-US match, women's snowboard halfpipe qualifying round. Um, my personal favorite to watch was speed skating. I, I love, love watching speed, speed skating. Skaters. It's so surreal to me. They're so scary. Like, <laughs> it's Right? Like, it. you think it's just like, I can skate pretty fast or whatever. It's the weirdest, uh. like, coolest effing thing to watch and you feel so stressed out for these people yeah it's it gets your <laughs> adrenaline going the speed skaters terrify mm-hmm. me they i think are the closest things we're ever going to see to superheroes because mm-hmm. they just i i don't know the whole time i'm holding my breath every time mm-hmm. luckily they're very fast so it's <laughs> over quickly but i just it's also mm-hmm. like for me, watching the burst that they start with and how by the end, of course, they're skating much slower. And so for a moment, you think like, oh, they started out with that big burst of speed because that big burst of speed is the only way that they'll win. Mm-hmm. And you just think like, if I tried to do anything even close to that, I'd be on my knees screaming, crying, throwing up um, <laughs> by <laughs> one lap in, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I can't quantify it in my body what it takes to skate that fast. No, me so. either. And it yeah. always makes me think of a few years ago, this viral video popped up of a trail in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, so on mm-hmm. like Lake Superior. Or, yeah. Um, and it is someone created a speed skating hiking trail through one of the hills. And it's... I have watched it a thousand times and every time again, I hold my breath because you're watching these people zip through these crazy courses that now have trees and stumps Mm -hmm. and other people (laughs) and they're just flying and they're airborne half the time because they hit a slope and I'm just, oh, it's insane. But it like that should be an Olympic sport is take them to Duluth and push them down that hill (laughs) and see what happens. All right, so we're going from something super athletic to something super passive that I personally do every morning when I wake up at 6 a.m. to wake my brain up, and that's Wordle. Yay! I have to admit, when I tweeted at you, I was Mm -hmm. joking about, hey, let's talk about Wordle. And then I had people in my inbox being like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you should do this. And people were liking it and commenting. (laughs) I was like, oh, oh, I guess this is a thing. Like, it it is kind of (laughs) peaking. Well, one of the things, yeah, like, um, so for one thing, Wordle, which has been called the sourdough of Omicron, (laughs) and um, I think that's fair to say because it was this humble little sweet story that, like, we all kind of bonded over. But when that happens, I think people need to, like, this ain't my first rodeo on the internet. Something fun that we all enjoy is going to get milkshake ducked no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that milkshake duck came in the form of an acquisition. 
mm-hmm. um, being acquired by the New York Times, which came into effect, I want to say, a week or two ago. I have some of my own reservations about the acquisition. Like I expressed on Twitter, it feels a bit stinky that New York Times wrote this really glowing profile of the Wordle guy and the Wordle story while it was like right before it acquired it. So it's like you were likely in talks to acquire it when you published this story. So it's one of those things as a journalist that I'm like, or as a trade journalist, especially I'm like, this maybe isn't against the rules, but it should be. Yeah, I felt the same way. Writing a profile of something you're about to acquire. Yeah, Yeah. I felt the same way. I couldn't help but think, and, and I have zero proof of this other than knowledge of the industry of journalism, could not help but think that this was a part of it, like part of the package yeah. or something. And I don't want to believe that because it was a sweet feature and he just, I mm. want to package him up and put a bow on him because the story of him creating this game for his wife mm-hmm. just... I don't know if you – I don't think stories like that are that pure anymore. And so I don't no. want to believe that it was part of the package, but I know too much. <laughs> it's – I also went – before I read that profile, because I think it might have been up for a couple of days before I finally got around to reading it, I thought people saying that his last name was Wardle was a joke. Yeah. Because it's really, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a funny cartoony name. Like, oh, mm-hmm. Mr. Wardle. I'm like, oh, no, his name is actually Wardle. Okay, mm-hmm. well, bad on me. Like, and it makes it cuter. Um, yeah, it does. But so now um, we're dealing with Wordle is harder discourse, which um, to me, I mean, it tells me that we've already forgotten about Noel and Abby. And um, see, you wouldn't you wouldn't relate to this as much, but for me, I think, I don't know if it was like color or honor or something, something that was an O-R when I'm used to spelling it O-U-R. And it's like, I don't oh. think of this as a five-letter word. That was something that all the Canadians freaked out about. Um, oh. So, yeah. I it, didn't think about that. That's interesting, though. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's become a global game. And that's the thing. The guy never anticipated it becoming so global, I think. But, um, yeah, so... There's been there's been enough proof out there that no Wordle did not get harder. New York Times did add, I think, five words to its exclusion list, which were mainly very, very uncommon words. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, algorithmically, there's nothing that's made it harder. To be perfectly honest, I feel like the discourse over Wordle is harder is just, it's a subconscious thing because I think trends like Wordle I don't want to say they weren't meant to last, but like the at the speed of the internet, people needed to start discourse about it. People mm-hmm. needed to find a reason to be mad at it, you right. know? Well, and so I was one of those Wordle people. I avoided it for mm-hmm. as long as I possibly could. <laughs> I also didn't understand at all what I was looking at on Facebook or Twitter, (laughs) or wherever people were posting their scores. I'm like, there's these blocks. And then it's like two, four, five, three dash six. Like, I don't, what am I looking at? I was so confused. So I just avoided it for the longest time. So I was like, the last thing I need is another game that I thought I had to download onto my phone. Like, I didn't even Mm -hmm. realize it wasn't an app. And so I finally, after probably my 25th friend being like, I cannot believe you're not doing Wordle. I was like, you know what? Fine. I will try it. 
And I was hooked in one wordle, like just one yep. <laughs> wordle. And I was sucked in. And I I get that like it's kind of this fun little adrenaline rush when you're on your third guess and you still have no idea what the word is. And you, I kind of start to panic. I'm like, come on, uh-huh. you are smart. You do words for a living. You can figure this out. <laughs> I panic over it. I like mm. straight panic. And I have one friend in particular. I don't do the social media posting, but I have one friend that we send our scores to every day. And there mm-hmm. are several days where like in all caps, I'm just like panic, panic, SOS. Like I'm I'm freaking out. <laughs> I have started trolling Wordle a little bit in the sense that I just will decide because I'm I've had a couple um I've had a couple ones that I didn't get. I've had a couple failures. So I, I kind of am confident enough that I will get it in six, that I will start with a really trollish first word, <laughs> like something without any E's or A's or whatever. Um, today, I did quack as my first word. That's a good which, first uh, word. Got, I got it. I got it in five today, but I think my first two... Oh, no. So I got quack, which was all gray, and then trios, which was a little bit better. But so... Talking Wordle stats, I'll say that I have played 43 times. I have a 91% win streak. Uh, my current streak is four because I think I had a failure a couple days ago. My maximum streak is 22. And most of my guesses are in, or most of my correct guesses are in four or five. I have 14 and four guesses and five in 13, or 13 and five guesses. I have one in two guesses, Ooh. which is crazy. Yeah. I so I don't know what happened, but twice my phone has cleared my stats, which is a huge bummer. Okay. But I knock on wood because now I'm probably going to panic again. I have never not gotten it. So I'm yeah. yeah, so I'm very proud of that, but I'm very nervous that that means it's ha- going to happen soon. I normally get them in the 3 to 4 kind of depends. I've I've had a couple fives. I haven't gone all the way to 6 yet, but that's I mean that Mm-hmm. I, I do definitely credit my I read a lot and I'm a writer. So I, I have to credit that a little bit of like, yeah. okay, we're starting to narrow things down. I do definitely get tripped up when there's a double letter. And just the other oh, yeah. day there was two double letters. And I was like, that's vivid, sneaky. right? Yes. Yeah. I was like, that's sneaky slut. Like that's the <laughs> sneaky little yeah. thing. <laughs> Um, we, when I do it in the morning, I have to like, I'll talk about my frustrations to it, uh, about it to my husband while he's like making coffee or whatever, but I can't say anything that specific because he doesn't want me to ruin it for him. Um, the words I've had the hardest time with, I am actually really proud of the fact that I got swill, um, Mm -hmm. within like four, I think, because, um, if it's in a famous like Simpsons one-liner, for some reason my head goes to it, and I always think of the episode with the Germans, like your beer is like swill to us. <laughs> um, so um, weirdly enough, I think I got swill faster than I got today's, which was spill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember the words that have driven me craziest. I did get null, but that's also because. I had the JFK assassination in, mm-hmm. on the brain for some reason. Um, there's this podcaster I follow named Eric Siska, who I think at least once a day makes a joke about the Zapruder film. Mm-hmm. And so I had Noel in my in my head. Um, I 
I want to say it. I was one of the people who didn't get tacit, and I was a bit embarrassed of that because now people are saying, whatever, if you don't know the word tacit, that's on you. <laughs> well, that's funny. I am one of those people, embarrassingly, that it took me all the way to five to get other. And this is after people were yeah. like, New York Times has made it harder. What have they done? And then it's like, wow, <laughs> this is a common word yeah. that I use throughout the day. And I yeah. I was in the panic mode of like, I think my last guess when I finally got it, I probably stared at my phone screen for a solid <laughs> five to seven minutes of just like trying to do the weird, like that meme where all the math equations pop up. Like that is what was going on in my brain and math makes me cry. So I, yes. ooh, it was stressful. Well, and I think that's the fun trick of it too, is that it's getting us to overcomplicate things mm -hmm. with, with shit like null and tacit and stuff or cock. That was the thing. <laughs> cock drove everyone crazy. Yeah, I was naughty. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and so that's a great uh, segue to my next question, which is what is your favorite Wordle offshoot? I hate all of them. <laughs> they all stress uh, me out. I, so the first one I did was the Ludol one, which that yeah. segue. I bartended for 10 years. I am a reformed recovering party girl. I can make any saint or sinner blush with a normal conversation if I don't feel that there's any way it could track back to me professionally. I did not uh -huh. realize how clean of a language I actually have until I tried playing Ludal. Like, where yes. are these words coming from? Like, there, and then like the ones that I should know that I use are like twat, but because I assume I don't know what the word is, I, I struggle. <laughs> yes, I think a lot of the offshoots are like fun to try once, and mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this is cute that this exists. Um, there is one that I come back to every day, however, and that is Quartal, uh. which is four simultaneous guesses at once it's so hard mm -hmm. but it actually really gets my brain working and so like i've had a couple of getting all four uh, i don't think it's ever taken me less than the maximum amount of guesses to get all mm -hmm. four but that's that's something i enjoy because it's hard um i will also say that there's one called gordle which is um hockey themed okay. uh, <laughs> or all hockey players now, I don't like that one. I have something against Gordel because the day after the Canadian uh, gold medal win, uh, as I said, Marie-Philippe Poulain was the, um, she was kind of the hero of that game. And so I put in the name Marie and it said, name not in database. Oh, no. So I was mad about that. <laughs> so you're fighting. <laughs> you guys are fighting. Got yes. it. I, fighting. I, yeah, I, yeah. With the Quartal one, because I've tried that one a couple times, and we already know how I panic about regular Wordle. So when I'm seeing all these, <laughs> all these options tick away, I really start to panic. Very stressful. Do you ever guess for the other words? Like you feel like you really know what word number four is, so you put in a guess specifically for that? Yes. Okay. Um, Maybe that's I the trick. I <laughs> still have this. I still have this horrible tendency with Quartal to tackle kind of one quadrant at a time, um, and that's how I always end up panicking on like my last two <laughs> or whatever. Somehow it ends up working out because I've just exhausted all the letters, especially when I get like you're telling me in all four quadrants there's not a single e. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, and then the other day, I forget which word it is, but one of the words in Quartal was the Wordle answer. 
and that never happens. And I'm like, are they working together on this? Who's running this show? <laughs> so I'm sure it was a coincidence, but it was a weird one. Mm -hmm. So in terms of my prediction for where I think Wordle's going to go, I think it depends on whether or not the New York Times monetizes it. But I think Wordle, if it's played smart, will become one of those things that's kind of like crosswords or Sudoku in that I actually th can see everyone always doing it. Mm -hmm. um, it might not always be this thing that gets super shared on Twitter like and is a good talking point of like, did you get today's Wordle? Mm -hmm. But I can actually like... I feel like it's high time that word games kind of came back and we repopularize things like the crossword or it's not a word game, but Sudoku, because mm -hmm. those things are actually a fun part about getting older. Like just here's my fun little quiet game that I do. It is. And it's, I feel like it's so good for mental health because of that quieting and keeping your mind busy. So I know in past episodes, I have talked about how I've been on this journey of sobriety. And one of the most important things for me has been finding a way to keep my mind busy when I normally would be out doing not so sober things. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of went through a couple different phases of I've always been a big Sudoku fan, which is very interesting because I'm just not a numbers person, but I love the mechanics of it and mm -hmm. I find it very calming. And then um, it was probably about a year ago when I was still pretty fresh in my newly found sobriety that I got really into crosswords. And I think mm -hmm. if Wordle would have, I think if all these offshoots Wordle and all the offshoots were a thing a year ago. I think mm -hmm. it would have absolutely been my mechanism to just focus on all of these. And that would be how I keep my brain busy because it's a really important part for me with my sobriety. Mm -hmm. But I think that's arguably really important for a lot of people's mental health struggles because mm -hmm. we know we can be our own worst enemy and getting stuck in our heads thinking those thoughts that we shouldn't be thinking. Yeah. So for me, and this is, I guess, also a peak of February, I finally started actually taking proactive steps, uh, you know, including physical changes and medication changes and stuff to address um, my bipolar disorder, which I got formally diagnosed with at the end of 2021. But like, it was one of those things that everyone knew, um, <laughs> including myself. Um, and for me, like a lot of it, I, and I was saying on next week's episode, um, a lot of it can kind of present like ADHD sometimes, which is like mm -hmm. I thought maybe I had ADHD, um, but a lot of that is simply just trying to direct my energy in the right places. And because Wordle is the first thing I do in the morning, it gives me a chance to actually just feel directed for like, not to say for once, because I do feel more directed lately, but it's kind of like why I like running because I'm just like, I have this simple goal. And mm -hmm. I know how to solve it. And oh, it's it's a really nice thing. So I hope that we kind of get over, you know, Wordle discourse and mm -hmm. can just kind of accept that it's this fun thing that we can do. New York Times, please keep it free to play. Please. Yes, please. We would <laughs> yes. appreciate you. Mm -hmm. So talking about things that are good for our mental health, Annie, as a millennial, and <laughs> normally with other guests on this show, I have to be like, we're the same age, right? Annie, you and I are the exact same age. Exact um, same age. One of my exact favorite accidents. <laughs> well, and it, because every Gemini does have their Gemini twin out there. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I I was an accident. So. <laughs> oh, funny. Oh, ex exposing my mom and dad here now. Um, <laughs> so were you a fan of Arthur? 
I was a huge Arthur fan. I loved mm-hmm. watching Arthur well into adulthood. And I will never once act like I did not watch it if I saw it on. Because I would yeah. every time. <laughs> I think I always knew. Like, I watched Arthur what like its first couple seasons and then I always had like this little comfort show thing for it and you know my sister who's five years older than me she and I would kind of be like yeah I know I'm too old to watch Arthur but it's a cute show and it makes me feel good um and I don't know a single millennial who like doesn't know the little having fun isn't hard when you've got a library Library card card. (laughs) yeah um it's. I think Arthur is great. So after 25 years, it ended. I won't pretend I've seen a recent episode, but I did get. I did watch um, the episode All Grown Up, as well as the short episode before it about Buster being a blabbermouth. <laughs> and I thought it was a really cute end. Um, I don't know if you got to watch the whole episode or saw like even a clip of the last scene, but. Um, Actually, I'll ask before I ask about your feelings about the finale, who's your favorite character in Arthur? Um, you know, I in general just love Arthur because I think that he's just I don't know, it's Arthur. Like it's kind of hard not to mm-hmm. say him, but I've always yeah. been a big fan of DW. That sassy little thing speaks to my <laughs> inner child forever. That's how I knew I was a diva when I was a kid, because I was like, DW, mm-hmm. Like that, I get it. <laughs> I think DW is the most like memed character um, because like the DW sunglasses on the fence meme, mm-hmm. um, being in Canada and therefore having to deal with a few more lockdowns and more thorough lockdowns than the US, I have at times, especially when my friends talk about going to the movies, I just like the DW fence meme or like <laughs> all the my American friends who were getting their vaccines before mm-hmm. Canadians were. And I'm just like, fence or that <laughs> this sign won't stop me because I can't read yeah um, <laughs> um no my favorite character I I've always loved Binky because I've always loved tough guys who are actually softies yeah um and I also really love um Francine because I was a big tomboy growing up and I there was actually the episode where you find out that Francine loves to sing and is really bad at it, but it's actually because she can't sing and play the drums at the same time. I actually can identify that really well because I, I don't brag about my abilities very often. I am a very, very well-trained singer. I am a very, very well-trained pianist. Um, when I sing while playing piano, I'm not nearly as good as I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is because actually like just the physical aspect of the techniques that I learned to sing well, I can't do very well when I'm sitting down. I don't have big lungs or a big diaphragm to begin with, so sitting down makes it harder to direct uh, direct my air the way I should. But also, it's just, yeah, you're focusing on something else. Your posture's not the same. You're not as in control. Um, but I also just like that Francine's friends are, like, so concerned for her and, like, we don't want you to be embarrassed. Like, I don't know. I think they're really cute. So Mm -hmm. in the future, whose future do you like or dislike the most? Um, I, I just really, so I did watch the episode. I actually watched it this morning and I had seen lots of like the clips floating around and whatever. I was, I guess the most surprised and I don't really buy Buster being a teacher. 
I just don't. Oh, see, that was the one I liked the most. I like that he had this, like, glow up. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, I, I he just loves animals so much that I just really mm-hmm. saw him doing just a little bit more with the animals, I guess. That, mm-hmm. like, something like, I don't know, running a humane society made sense to me, I guess. But maybe I was thinking a little too, little too broad <laughs> or something. But I, I don't hate it. By all means, yeah. I don't hate it. I just wasn't really buying it where DW as a cop, I mean, that wrote itself. That, that was just yeah. like, and I live in Minnesota, <laughs> so like the whole cop thing here is kind of like, ugh. But, yeah. but she becoming a cop and then like being like, oh my gosh, let me buy you something at the Sugar Shack to the person she's writing yeah. a ticket to. I'm like, oh yeah, she's that small yeah. town cop that shows up at the bonfire late at night when yeah. she's off duty. I um so I didn't like Muffy being a mayoral candidate just because I thought it was too obvious mm-hmm. um because what I liked about Busters was that it kind of played against type and um you know sometimes it is the goofball you that grows up to be a good teacher or whatever and I thought like it was cute and fleshed out for him but then Muffy being a mayoral candidate I'm like I would have liked to see Muffy humbled because as a kid who loved Francine, the only thing I never bought was that she and Muffy were so close because Muffy was horrible to Francine a lot. Right. And I'm just, so my inner child wanted to see Muffy humbled a little bit. So it'd been nice, like when she, because she spends the episode acting like public servants are like, you know, the scourge of the earth. I thought it would have been nice to see Muffy become like, I don't know, an activist or mm-hmm. something. Like, helping more people instead of just grabbing at power um i also just don't like that the brain didn't get a future yeah i I thought that was was the brain he wasn't in the whole thing that was weird i will go circle back though to to what you're talking about so part of my job i sit in a lot of government meetings small town government meetings and i would Mm -hmm. argue that for her to put her time and energy towards being a small town mayor is very humbling because I see what these city council members and mayors go through. Granted, the seven-year-old who's watching it doesn't know these things, but yes. <laughs> being that I am the seven-year-old at heart in a grown woman's journalistic body, I do think that that could be a full circle thing of like her seeing the areas of like, I love this town, especially because she grew up mm-hmm. so bratty, to be like, no, mm-hmm. I love this town so much that I want to be the the person who represents it I, I kind of feel it I, I kind of see her being the you know the person waving in the flit in the parade but also taking the calls when someone's like hey my easement is jacked up I need to know how I can deal with this you know it's funny that you say that because my easement is literally jacked up um, <laughs> call your mayor no, we so our town doesn't have a mayor the county has a mayor because oh. our town is I guess too small for a mayor um Canada's but yeah <laughs> It is because I, you know, we don't have counties in the north, but we have them in the south. It's weird. Um, But yeah, so uh, I don't have, I couldn't find any ratings peak information for Arthur, um, which might be a PBS thing. But I did find something that I'll say is peak pop culture discourse, um, which is Arthur was cited in an academic paper in which Ostrov, Gentile, and Crick wrote that Essentially because Arthur's pacing focuses more airtime on building the conflict um, than to show the resolution at the end. That's bad because it's showing what it calls relational aggression at a higher proportion than conflict resolution. So for audiences of a certain age, that could be negative. Um, and because, yeah, it shows it. 
the kids are more likely to imitate, I guess, the aggression between the characters than the conflict resolution. This made me laugh. Uh, it could be, quote, more dangerous for kids than Power Rangers. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not a child <laughs> psychology expert or anything, so I won't say whether that's right or wrong. I will say that as peak pop pop culture discourse. Oh, yeah. And that's it's funny you say that because it reminds me so much of when I was younger and having friends who were big into shows like the Power Rangers or their favorite movie was like the Karate Kid, like stuff like that. But their parents wouldn't wouldn't let them watch Rugrats because Angelica was so mean and that concerned yeah. them about their behavior. So I kind of get it. I don't agree with that personally with Arthur because one of the things I loved about it was that these kids were so different and didn't always get along mm. but at the end of the day they're like you know what we're friends I accept you for being different you accept me for being different I don't yeah. know maybe that's the rose-colored glasses that I was brought up wearing but um, I do see that point too that yeah. behavioral displays of poor behavior can be very mm -hmm. damaging to young children as they develop and they start learning how to build relationships. Yeah. I think I have to accept that not every kid learns and absorbs things the way I do, because one thing I found about watching Arthur as a kid, which I think Arthur came out when I was like seven or eight, I want to say, um, was that Arthur played a bit of a long game, uh, especially in his first couple seasons, which is that it was over time that you got to see, oh, Binky's a tough kid, but like, after maybe a couple months of watching, it's like, oh, Binky's actually a little shy, or Binky's self-conscious of the fact that he got held back a grade, or um, that Francine, you know, she's really tough, but oh, Francine actually, like, ha comes from a family that doesn't have a lot of money or whatever, mm -hmm. and so if you think about it in the 30-minute increment section, like, you could say, you can see where um, you might not, um, a kid might not necessarily have the empathy for the characters. And also, I think it's fair to say that I w watched Arthur at an older age than mm -hmm. the audience it was intended for. Because if it came out in 97, um, I was not preschool age watching right. this. And I think it is ultimately, this is embarrassing as we are two 32-year-old <laughs> women talking about it. I think it is intended for preschool children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably, yeah. especially when you get the, now a word from us kids, and it's that's definitely preschool classrooms. Maybe yeah. kindergarten on a good day, but... Yeah. But they're they're pretty um, young. Yeah. So then finally we're uh finishing off with the Oscars. Um the Oscars, which I used to be such an Oscars fan. Like I think the year I turned 10 was my first year watching the Oscars, and then I watched it every year until I was working, definitely. So like it was my comfort thing all throughout university and stuff. And I have so fallen off that horse, but this week the Oscars announced that it would be remove further category winner announcements from its televised broadcast, including best animated short, live action short, documentary short, makeup and hairstyling, original score, sound production design, or sound production design, and film editing. Hmm. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> yeah. The I mean, I am I haven't been a big Oscar watcher for a long time too. I remember the very iconic like Halle Berry crying moments and stuff like that. Um, but the animated short and the hair and makeup. I don't I don't get those two at all. All of them I think deserve recognition of the list that you just said. But those two in particular, I mean Think of those period pieces that always are up for like best film and the amount of attention that has to go into hair and makeup. You can't just slap 
eyeliner on anyone for any movie. I mean, it doesn't... I think about our own lives. When I was in high school, the only makeup I wore was a nice thick line of dark brown eyeliner on my lower lid and nothing else. And that was it. <laughs> like that was the look though. That was it was. Look. And so if you think about the time and energy put into those types of things for movies, and if they're not right, that movie's not gonna do well. Yeah. I think whoever gave, personally, I think whoever gave Javier Bardem that haircut in No Country for Old Men uh, deserves an Oscar. Uh, um, That is my favorite Best Picture winner when I think of like what my favorite Best Picture winners are because I I don't think I've fully agreed with the Best Picture winner like more than five times out of ten for the last Mm -hmm. ten years, but like No Country will always be my favorite Best Picture winner. Um, And like Moonlight, I guess, but... um, Oh man, remember that whole thing about Moonlight not being named as the correct winner? Like, it <laughs> feels like ages ago. Uh, yeah, um, there's some weird so, mistakes like that that are more fun than the Oscars themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so again, we got some we got some peak stats. The Oscars peaked in viewership in 1998 at 57.52 million U.S. viewers. That was the year that Titanic won everything, and of course, it wouldn't be Brie if she didn't talk about ad buying. Using metrics adjusted for inflation, the peak in advertising prices was 2008, which was at the time 1.82 million for a 30-second spot. Adjusted for current dollars, that's 2.19 million for a 30-second spot. Although ad prices, um, they haven't been no- made known since 2015, so I don't know how much they're going for currently. It's Worth noting that historically, Oscar ratings tend to go down when honoring smaller scale movies. So when blockbuster nom- like when blockbuster movies are nominated for everything, they draw big viewers. That's why you know views for the one the year when Titanic was nominated for everything got fifty seven point five two million, and the year that No Country for Old Men won everything, it was a little lower. Um, mm-hmm. But it's in the last five years that there's been a pretty consistent decline. It was between 2020 and 2021 that it went from like 20 million or so to 9 million. I will say that I think a lot of this is more of a TV ratings problem than an Oscars mm-hmm. problem. Like TV viewership and viewership of tentpole events, even the Super Bowl and stuff, has gone down. The other thing is that, I mean, 2020... Half the year was spent in lockdowns and people not able to go to movies. And then when they did get released, like they, some of them were released on streaming platforms that we didn't own and stuff. Like, I think it's just harder for people to know what movies people are talking about these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it does go back to what I was saying with my own personal thing with the Olympics is I just, I don't really watch TV, especially not live TV. Um, yeah. But I do think that it's, it just becomes more of like a niche thing these days. I have a couple family members, um, including my brother, who do what they call the March to the Oscars, where they purposely try to watch at least all of the best picture movies and then try to pick up yeah. some of the other big awards too that maybe don't overlap with that. And I've never, mm-hmm. I've just never been into that. I love movies. I love going to the theater. I think it's a whole experience. I know it's outrageously priced but I love the experience of being in a movie theater full of people having the popcorn having the soft drink I love that movie theaters these days have the recliners with the heated seats like it's it's very very 
fun experience as a whole, but I've just never been the one to really pay attention to, okay, what does everyone like? So I'm kind of guilty yeah. of that. If it's a big blockbuster movie, then I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. Like I, I, I know about it if I haven't seen it. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there's movies out there. I, I pulled up Best Picture for this year and I have watched one of the movies, which was Nightmare mm-hmm. Alley. It's a trip. You got to watch it. I will say that. <laughs> and then okay. I, I know of Don't Look Up because it seems to be what everyone's talking about these days is that you got to watch Don't Look Up. And then, of course, West Side Story remake. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels a little full circle. And then the only other one I know of is Dune because of the book. And I've read the book. Yeah. I enjoyed the book. Could not tell you what it's about. Like, I don't know. They're like, well, what's happening? I don't know. Well, what what's the, yeah. I don't know. I, I just don't know. So that, and that's it. I mean, and, and these lists are kind of big. Yeah. I, I think also like not to blame everything on the internet, but like a lot of these movies I have no interest in watching because by the time I've gotten the energy to go out and see them, like my will to see them is diminished because there's so much <laughs> effing discourse about them online i don't care about dune discourse i don't care about don't look up discourse like um one thing i guess it came out this year so it wouldn't have been eligible um but a movie that i hope gets nominated for at least a couple things next year is the lost daughter um on netflix um with uh, olivia coleman and jesse buckley um Jesse Buckley's awesome. I'm really glad that she got nominated. I, I think it's great that both she and Jesse Plemons got nominated for acting awards, even though it, neither was for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, because um, <laughs> I think that was a movie that really got snubbed last year. Um, but yeah, The the Lost Daughter is kind of like the first really awesome movie of 2022 that I loved. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope I hope we see that next year. As for the theater experience, one thing I really love about my new town is that the there is a theater in town for you know all 10,000 of us and it's not a chain theater it is an independent two screen theater um now meaning it because it's only two screens it has to be very selective with what it gets so it often gets mainly like family movies and stuff like I'll still probably have to go to Brantford or something to see Jackass which I really want to <laughs> see um but um and then we've had, uh, again, a couple lockdowns uh, since I moved here, so I uh, haven't been able to go, but it finally reopened last night. And as I was just going out for a run before this recording, I ran past the theater and I could smell the popcorn smell from the night before. And it was like, movie theater popcorn is already the best. Independent mm-hmm. movie theater popcorn, you've never had anything saltier. Like. <laughs> I just take me back, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I get so. that. I grew up in a town even smaller than the 10,000. I grew up at like 6,000 retirement community. So the youth population was low. And we yes. had we had an independent theater that did get bought by a chain. But, you know, when you're a town that small, it's still like it's based yeah. on the teenagers who are running that counter. Like they're the ones who yes. own it. So I get it. And, man, there was a certain kid that if you knew he was making the popcorn that night, you went that night because the butter was just <laughs> – us uh, key <laughs> chef's kiss yeah okay so as we uh as we've gone through the kind of the peaks of february in pop culture i kind of want to go back to something we did on the season one finale party which is talk about what we're looking forward to next month uh whether it's you know an album release a tv show release a movie coming out series what's something in march 2022 that you're looking forward to hmm 
Oh, that's hard. I mean, in my personal life, I get to receive that second award. So I'm looking forward to that. And it's the 50th anniversary of this award ceremony. So we're doing like an old Hollywood glamour feel. And I've already bought one dress, but in natural American culture, I had to buy a second one just in (laughs) case. So I'm waiting for that one to show up. Um, But pulp culture wise, I mean, I, I think we talked in the finale episode. I'm kind of behind with pop culture. Like I'm not quick on the new releases. So I'm still reading books that came out like two years ago. And I'm like, hey, have you heard of this book? And everyone's like, yes, it was book of the month in 2019, whatever ago. I did get a book of the month subscription for my for Christmas. So that's kind of exciting that every month I get to get excited about something. Um, and then just RuPaul's Drag Race is going on right now. And I love me some drag queens. They are just, they, to me, I just don't think there's anything more amazing than this one human body having so much creativity stuffed in them. It just blows my mind. So it's our, the season's already started, but it'll go through March. So that every Friday, that is where I am. Well, technically Saturday morning because again I don't watch live yeah. TV <laughs> <laughs> no we same here and I will say mine is also a series that has just started but is continuing on and that is the new Apple TV plus uh, series severance uh, which is directed by Ben Stiller and uh, starring Adam Scott Adam Scott is really good I think at playing darker roles and like He's so cute and cuddly and likable in what we all know him for uh, being Parks and Rec and Mm -hmm. and even like Party Down, I would say. But he actually is really good at playing someone who's kind of an uncomfortable dick. And (laughs) I... Um, and so I think he carries that series really well. It's super intriguing. And I have to say, I like what Apple TV Plus does with um, dropping things weekly instead of all at once in a binge format. Mm -hmm. It gives me so much more to look forward to. Like, I feel like the reason I did not fall off Ted Lasso was because I got to watch it week after week instead Mm -hmm. of just trying to binge it all at once. Um, I like the Disney Plus follows that content model as well. So I think it... I do miss appointment TV viewing. And I think we were talking about this on our top model episode, like the fun of like a ritual of gathering around the couch with your family or whatever Mm -hmm. and watching something. And so dropping episodes weekly is kind of the closest we can come to that now in the streaming age. And I like it. It's rekindling something about my love Mm -hmm. of TV. I do too. And I get TV burnout. So when I do find a show I really like, and it's all the episodes are or like the seasons, there's multiple seasons out. At first, I get so excited because I'm like, oh, yes, this is going to be great. I don't have to wait. And it, I get burnt out. And then I lose interest. And it has nothing to do with the show itself. It's I just get over it. And so I love that there's certain streaming platforms, like you said, that are trying to bring back that appointment TV time because it makes it special. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much to Annie for joining me on this special mini-sode. And uh, we'll surely surely have you back on the show again. I can't wait. I have lots of opinions and I love to share them. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. 
If you like what you just heard, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, share Peak Show in your social feeds, and give us five stars on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back in just a few days with our episode on M. Night Shyamalan with guest host Justin J. Case. Take it easy.